College basketball fans, welcome back to the College Ball Show. And I'm not even going to lie, I almost said college football. Almost said college football. Last week, life got in the way. We were not able to do a post, almost said post fight, a post game for Georgia and Alabama. Georgia did get it done. Um, So that's why if you guys are wondering where the hell's the post show, life got in the way, unfortunately. Um, Anyway, we are back now. We call it the college ball show because college ball, right? We went from football now to basketball. We run this thing all the way to the national championship. Then there's like a 10-day, two-week break, and then we get in the NBA playoffs, just so you know. We do have an NBA playoff show. It's called the NBA Playoff Banter, but that won't be for quite some time. Right now, mid-January, we are 100% fully focused in on this college basketball season. So it is the first episode of our season anyway, when it, when it comes to this new show, Switching to Basketball. So um, we are going to do a bit of an overview slash preview as well. What We're going to start with recap like we normally do, um, but we are going to kind of just overview some stuff. Um, it's early in the season. Not too early, though. I mean, I think Illinois and Purdue, they went to double overtime. I think Illinois is now 6-1 in the Big Ten. Uh, but we'll kind of go, you know, from major conference to major conference and preview and kind of give our thoughts on some, on some teams and whatnot. Um, obviously, COVID and this new variant is spreading like crazy, so we, we are starting to see some cancellations and some pauses. Um, I do think the NBA probably would have had a pause if it wasn't right around Christmas. We know how valuable those Christmas games are. We saw that last year when they had to start before them just to get that in. So, um, like UCLA, they had a long-ass break. A lot of teams, Duke had a break. A lot of teams had a break. So, uh, we are going to get into this week. You know, we're going to recap a little bit, like I said, preview. And then we'll look at some games coming up during the week and on the weekend. We are going to try to focus in on Mondays to do the show per usual, but, you know, sometimes life gets in the way. Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the College Ball Show, welcome. He's Marshall. I'm Chris. Um, this thing's available in a lot of different ways. Uh, it streams live on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope it up radio. You don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open and download the show directly there and listen to the the browser, if you, don't, if you don't want, you can find this here college ball show under the Rope and Dope Radio podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, Amazon Music as well. We're also part of the Grueling True Sports Podcast Network. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingtruth.com. And one more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contract, no hidden fees. If you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate Package, that'll give you three free months of HBO Max, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks with no additional fees, which you do find that getting harder and harder to accomplish as a sportsman. And if you go to the Premier Package, that'll give you Showtime and HBO Max already included, Direct TV Stream. Okay. Um, let's get into this. I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co-host Marshall. And like I said, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, what happened in this double overtime game today between number four Purdue and number 17 Illinois. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about this weekend. There were some upsets. Baylor dropped back to back. But let's bring in my co-host first. How you doing, Marshall? What's going on, man? I'm good, doing good. Life's fine in Texas. We've been uh, blessed down here with some weather that is surprising. Uh, my dad came to visit me, and when he uh, saw me at school coaching one night this past week, it was like 70 degrees, and he's like, good God. <laughs> I think he was kind of reevaluating why my dad lives in Minnesota and does maybe join me in Texas. <laughs> uh, but I will say I'm very happy, Chris, on your opening intro. You did not mention the uh, – Coach K farewell tour. I'm just going to do it now and get out the way because that, that I mean that that that's the underlying theme of college basketball this year that everyone has to honor Coach K and the great legacy he's left to everyone. So 
there, there, there's the honor. Uh, we're going to move on past that because I, I feel like he's a North ten. Carolina fan. For those new to this uh, show, ten seconds is enough. Hey, uh, you, you've done well, your we're part. We're talking about it every episode now. It's going to be like Lane Kiffin in college football. You you're going to you're going to have a Coach K quota. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you wouldn't have said it, we wouldn't have done it either. But now, man, it's going to be rough. <laughs> Oh, uh, so yeah, besides that, brother, life is good. Life is good. Just not driving, per se, in Dallas. Yeah, anyway, people can't drive in Texas. And I think a lot of people are at home crying in Texas because after you watched the Cowboys game last mm. night, all you could do is cry, drink, go to sleep, uh, <laughs> probably cry, drink, drive. and all. It's a, it's an awful combination. It's a, it's a lose, lose, lose in many ways. You know, I literally just – Probably 30 minutes ago, maybe a little, maybe even less, I did get to watch that victory in double overtime. Purdue, who's 15 and 2 now, uh, won 96 to 88. Like I said, it was in double overtime, but uh, uh, Illinois was down, I think, 13 at half, uh, and they fought back in the game. Purdue looked pretty good for most of the game, and you know, they just gave up some points at the end of that uh, second half to force it uh, to get in there. But they did get the job done. It's on the road as well. And Illinois was 6-0 and in the Big Ten. So that's a big win that Eddie – or Eddie? Eddie? Uh, that, that big had a pretty good game for them. Uh, he's their center, 20 points, 8 boards. Did have a couple of blocks. That Ivy uh, guard – didn't shoot all that well per se, but he did get to the line, Marshall, 13 of 15. And overall, that is one of the, the stories right there. Neither, you know, team just shot the lights out per se, but 26 of 32 on the line compared to still really good percentage, but 12 of 15, you know, 20, 32 times the 15. That's going to do the job every time. So I, I did like what I saw out of both clubs, really, because, like I said, you, you did have a comeback there. Um, so I got to see that game. I did watch the second half of Ohio State and Penn State. Penn State was a little up early, and they just kind of grinded out. The, the Buckeyes did get a, a win um, yesterday. Villanova, I don't know where Butler stands this year, but uh, – it wasn't on two feet yesterday, I'll tell you that. 82 to 42. It is tough when you're in the same conference, and this obviously is the Big East, uh, a basketball fully conference here, one of the better ones in the country. When you beat a team by 40, golly, Marshall, that that's saying a lot. I, I didn't even watch it. I'll admit it, but I saw that score, and I was like, holy, it's hard to beat a team. Uh, by 40 points in only 40 minutes. You know, neither of us claim to be uh, geniuses in math. Um, I took one college class in math and got a 69 and got passed, so I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> say I know numbers that well. But um, I guess – I failed geometry the first time, but I, it really had more to do with my teacher. I didn't apply myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thankfully became kind of just – I was friends with a professor. I just talked to him, and he just kind of bumped me up, and I was like, all right, I'm for my teaching degree – with history, I got one math class, and that's it. So moving on. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, th- that is a beatdown. I will say, and somehow the Big East has kind of become my favorite conference to watch. I'm still a Tar Heels fan, but the Big East has kind of become my uh, sport to enjoy. Um, but, yeah, uh, Butler for the last couple of years has really had um, issues on offense, and clearly the issues on offense were showing when you're scoring 40 points in a game and your other team gives up 80. Like, they've, they've had offensive problems. They normally like to play kind of like a, a half-court, low-scoring game. So, as you know, Chris, that can benefit you if you want to maybe keep a game in the 50s or the 60s. But when a team scores 80, you know, it really kind of defeats the whole purpose of what your plan is. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I remember us arguing about the Big East compared to the ACC and, and the Big East tournament, and now it's your favorite come. It's just, oh, I love the Big East. It's so great. And I was just trying to, I mean, we had these arguments before. But, you know, when the ACC is the strongest in Big Ten, um, it does at times, I don't know, I guess, it's a combination of a great team and pros. 
Whereas sometimes these other conferences don't necessarily, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily the, the same. Um, it's, it is a little different, but man, I really wish, I can't wait for the documentary, the 30 for 30, whatever the hell you want to call it. I'll, I'll take an eight episode, uh, Big East tournament. That's it. Just Big East tournament. Uh, they already did a great, you know, 30 for 30 on how they became the Big East and, and, and how they really, you know, started dominating college basketball. But man, I'll never forget those. Of course, they got a Big Ten or a Big East, you know, conference championship, you know, tourney and all that. But it, it's just, it's not the same. But we've always given them credit because they, they knew what they were, Marshall. They weren't be like, well, we could still hold on to football. This is going to be a great foot. No, no, no. Just make it when it all broke up. Just make it a basketball conference because that's the base of it. So I think that they've done about as good as job. If you look at what the Big 12 is about to go through, you know, and, and compared to what the Big East is, like they, I think they did a pretty good job with some of those teams. Uh, you know, they do have a, a decent amount of combo of football, um, like Houston and whatnot, football and basketball, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, Baylor uh, was cruising, I guess you could say for a bruising, as, as cheesy as that sounds. Uh, 15-0 and 0 they were, Marshall. They, they were just, they had it going. Um, they, you know, they did get like a, a nice win in the non-conference. I remember that Michigan State game they, in the Villanova game as well. They held Villanova, I should check, it was in the 30s. It was like 57-36, to 36, dude. That is crazy. That's not Princeton, you know, low-scoring stuff. And they, they beat Oregon on the road 78-70, to 70, so they were definitely tested. Started out really well, but then back-to-back losses, uh, you know, they're going to bounce back, obviously, but they do have games at West Virginia in um, at Oklahoma, so that's not going to be easy. But I did watch a good chunk of that game with Oklahoma State. Two straight home losses, too. That's very rare, and I believe that was the first time OK State won a game on the road against the number one. So I thought that was a big deal. Um, and then Auburn, man, they've been looking really good, too. They got a nice win on the road. Old Miss really isn't uh, that great this year by any stretch. But uh, I did get to catch that one, too, from Saturday as we kind of recap some of these games, some of these upsets. Like Northwestern on the road at Michigan State, that was a shocker too. They were number ten going in. And you know, speaking of Auburn, Chris, I, I, I'll give us a little bit of credit um, because they were a team last year where, like, middle midway through the season, at least I remember I was. And I, I can't. I'm not going to accuse you, or because I, I always get assumed of making assumptions. But I know I was really high on them. Kind of thought they'd be like kind of a a sleeper team that was going to make kind of a deep run in the tournament because midway through the SEC, they kind of got on like a hot little four to five game run. And like, oh man, look at this team, like be ready for them. And then down the stretch, really like the last couple of games, they kind of faded away. And it, last year they had tons and tons of offense, but it was kind of like all around one guy and their defense wasn't that good. But I think now we're seeing another year where, you're still got an offensive talented team. You got a top three future NBA player for draft mock boards. And all of a sudden now it's like, holy shit. So I think a couple of these teams, and we saw this happen with football and basketball, which we'll kind of harp on for the next three months as we do our show. But I really think that this extra COVID year, you know, has really helped some of these teams who are like a pretty good to above average, give those guys they want an extra year. So you're noticing how, you know, last year in the Final Four, it was, you know, Gonzaga, UCLA, and Baylor. And as you look in the top rankings right now, as of, at least of just recently, I think UCLA was nine, Baylor was one, and Gonzaga is now one or two. So I think that the, um, the, the extra COVID year for teams who are already pretty good and kind of keep that pretty good talent around for another year, is really going to benefit some teams. I know that a lot of college football coaches talked about how that's why a lot of maybe like not the elite A class team, but like the B level schools are good because you kind of get like that extra bonus here. So now maybe those 
B-level basketball teams, Chris, who normally would be, you know, a, a top 10 to top 20 team, maybe can creep up a little bit higher this year with their expectations due to the fact you get, you know, your talented team back. And maybe you won't be like number two or three, but you're, you're, it's taking you from that middle of the pack team to maybe like a higher level. So that will be beneficial. And I think a lot of teams who were good last year can enjoy that extra year to become even better than would have been this year. Yeah, and obviously you see, I think it's kind of an interesting effect because you have to stay in college for three years for football, right, where it's just a one and done. So if you're going to be a, a top pro, more than likely you're going out anyway. But you're right, that's a good point. And, you know, kind of like we talked about in college football, as you mentioned, you know, it does allow you to develop not just depth, but it's depth with experience, you know, guys that have played a lot together. And then also – Maybe you could take a chance on a recruit because you got an extra year or you got a recruit that you like inside, you know, already in the program, but he gets another year to develop in general. But, you know, I can tell the Gophers football, it really helped them this year instead of having a, I mean, they still kind of underperformed in games, but overall that did, uh, that did help. That's a good point. And it'll be interesting to see as that, you know, how many layers of depth that does in the top 30 teams. Um, you're right. That's a, that's a good point. That in the transfer portal, and we saw some homegrown talent uh, brewing there in Baylor, but they also, you know, had multiple guys that had transferred have been there not just one year either. So there's, that combination probably only helps the depth of, of these basketball teams, which that's always the major thing ever since, you know, mid to late 90s when kids really started going pro earlier than they had. That does affect college uh, basketball, no doubt, just especially with the one year done. Um, Iowa State got a nice win over Texas. They shot the lights out, almost 57%. Former gopher Gabe Kolscher, who hasn't really played all that well, uh, for him being a three-point shooter anyway. But he definitely tore it up in that game. And, you know, Iowa State now up to 16th or 15th or something, but I remember they beat Xavier. Uh, they beat Memphis early in the season back in, like, around Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, Memphis isn't the team necessarily that some thought they would be, but they, they have a win uh, over Iowa, over Creighton. So, you know, they lost, uh, I think, one of their first uh, Big 12 games in a tight game against Baylor, I saw that game. They bounced back, beat Texas Tech. Then they stumbled back-to-back on the road Oklahoma, on the road Kansas, but then get a nice win, and they take on Texas Tech here tomorrow. Um, that's going to be interesting, but we know Iowa State has been a solid program for quite some time. They kind of look on the up and up here, Marshall. That really does surprise me because – I mean, they're pro- they've probably been one of my, like, favorite teams to cheer along. Not that I rivaled them with the Tar Heels, but they've always kind of been, like, a top three team for me for, like, the past, I don't know, probably eight or nine years. And I am surprised because of how good they are this year because they had a great run with Monte Morris, and about two years ago, they were last place. And last yeah. year, they were Trouble hideous. Yeah. So you go from having, like, a really good team with, like, draft prospects, and I get that losing – a couple of guys to the NBA, especially when Iowa State hurts you. But you go from, like, making, like, a, a potential Sweet 16 team to last place. Last place, now you're, like, ranked again. Like, so, um, obviously, a new coach, the, the new, brought a new coach who's obviously been pulling the right strings and must have brought in a pretty good recruiting class. And, I mean, they, they normally always have a good squad, but it was such a, a high drop-off to low, and then now you're back up high again. So I'll give them credit. I, I – I'm I'm surprised, but whatever recruiting class they brought in, whatever the new coach style is, must be working out well. Not to make this an Iowa State podcast, but it's just you normally don't see that uh, drop. And it, it, it normally, you know, Chris, like wherever you finish in your conference on a given year, you're normally going to kind of stay there. So it's really weird to see a yeah. college team contend to win your conference, be dead last two years in a row, and now you're back to contending. That's normally a, a trend you don't see often in, in college basketball. And I did notice, even when it was big matchups, uh, even in the struggles, that their crowd still, well, you know, the one year where they didn't necessarily have a big crowd or whatever. Last sure. Last year, but they, they still were bringing them in. You 
You know what I mean? It's still a mm-hmm. great environment in that place. But just to keep going on Saturday, as far as these upsets, we already talked about Baylor got beat. Um, uh, USC got beat by Oregon uh, by 10 at home. Um, but it kept, it kept going. I mentioned the Michigan State one, but LSU, who's 12th in the country at the time, they got beat by Arkansas, who's a good club. Uh, hasn't necessarily played great this year, but maybe they can kind of, you know, turn it around. What's Did you Alex. see that that game finished on a 17 to two run in the final seven minutes? Dude, that's so, I mean, what a the, way to close the game, especially I, in that low scoring of a game. That's a lot of points for a 65 total. You know that you won in your point total was 65 to 58. If you watch LSU play, they're they're pretty much it's kind of like a street ball way of like how Penny plays in Memphis and that Memphis team. Was, holy, holy shit, I could do a whole podcast on them. Um, but it's kind of like a, a really kind of like a you like kind of let's just run up the court and like just jack our threes and kind of have like a more of like a run again offense, Chris, and any sets. So as you can see, there's nights where LSU can play with any team in the country and they have, but there's also nights where when you kind of have a more fluid, just run and chuck offense that can backfire. Cause to see a team finish on a 17, two run, that's normally something you don't see in college basketball, especially, you know, I'm 98% sure they were at home. Like, and you're, you've been a ranked team. You've had some great wins this year. So I guess that's the highs and lows that LSU can offer of, we can get the court and drop 90 on you, or we can score two points in the final six, seven minutes and just finish the game. Like almost, you know, you know, like a, Quiet, quiet as a you know funeral like that. That was a really wow. mind blowing number to see. Bringing death into it, huh? Jeez, man. Well, really hey, seventeen like to seventeen really to two. Don't like that coach. I have nothing against the guy. I just think you know sometimes you gotta call plays. I have something against the guy. No, um, but <laughs> they did lose, uh, and I saw this game too. They lost to Auburn, but they did have, like you said, back to. I mean, what? Look at this. At the time, a number eleven Auburn. Then a number 16, Kentucky. Then a number 18, Tennessee. So they've had a hell of a run there, but they got two out of three of those. Mm-hmm. I think they're more like uh, Loyola Marymount, late 80s, early 90s, than a, a, than a street ball team. Because I haven't seen too many street ball teams jack threes, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't really see street ball. Hey, let's jack threes. You know, so that's more getting to the rack. But that, you're right as far as up and, up and down the court, and they're going to get – they're not going to do a ton of half court. I mean, in a sense, they do half court, but it's sure. early. It's real yeah. early. That is a good point. They, they don't get shot clock violations. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, and, well, right there, LSU getting beat. But it kept going, too. Marquette got a win, really good win against Seton Hall, who played decent that game, 73-72. Then Bama, who's looked good of late, they got beat 78-76. So I guess it's kind of like – you know, anybody's ball game uh, so far this year. Obviously, um, you know, hopefully there's not, you know, hopefully this COVID spread doesn't go as intense as it has, like in the, you know, the NBA and in the NHL. They even paused the season there for a second. So um, we're, we're hopefully we don't get these as much, you know, cancellations and, and all that. Sure. But, any other items before we kind of break down some of these? And we should probably start in the SEC since we've been talking a lot about it. Uh, no, I, I think we – yeah, I, th- uh, I mean, yeah, we're, we're good. Uh, so, yeah, so starting with the SEC, as you said, uh, we were talking before the show, this is maybe one of the stronger starts to the year they've had in a while. Um, normally you can always, you know, knock on wood and say that, okay, Kentucky is going to have a chance to be in a tournament. And you're going to have maybe three teams surrounding them that are all going to be like, you know, decent, respectful, like, you know, ranked teams. But and it's kind of been a trend because like five years ago when we were doing this podcast, it was kind of like, ah, oh, you know, who, who's in the SEC? And it seems like, Chris, that for the past five years, it feels like that they've been having all like their middle tier teams continue to improve. Like Arkansas with Musselman has continued to make process. Alabama five years ago with Avery Johnson was like a, a a a safe bet to make the NIT, but that was it. And they've improved. Um Auburn 
who I, I, I guess they had like, you know, some of the issues with Bruce Pearl, you know, but they're no, they're no longer in trouble. The last five years, they've improved. Obviously, Calipari and Kentucky has been pretty damn steady. Tennessee. I mean, been, they made a Final Four, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Tennessee's, you know, uh, I would say been trending upwards the last handful of years. They've become a, a probably a, a middle to teen ranked team almost the whole season. So, like, the conferences itself has almost got an upward projection for the past five years. Now we're seeing that instead of saying, hey, like, you know, let's wait till February to check out the SEC get on get on a run. Already this year, again, uh, LSU has proven they're a, a legit tournament team. Auburn has proved. I mean, shit. Well, when's the last time they were ranked fourth in the country this time of the year? Um, Tennessee has been through a gauntlet of a schedule like LSU has. Um, Kentucky just dropped 107 points on Tennessee in a game where they missed six shots, I believe. They shot 26 of 32 in the first half or like 24 of 30. Like that is in godly insane. Like no teams normally don't score 107 points. And Tennessee has a top 10 defense in the country and they've had a really hard schedule. So they're not a a fraud team by any means. So yes, the, I'm trying to think, I I think those five teams we've mentioned are all off to great starts. And obviously the rest of the division or conference is respectable too. But yeah, the, the SEC is, I'd say, up to a hotter start than normal, and that does help, Chris, when you have a couple of guys in your conference who are uh, top five to top ten predicted NBA draft picks. Yeah, you know, I remember eyeballing that Kentucky team heading into the uh, 2020 March uh, as well, and they could have made a run there. Talking about that game, though, that just blowout, 107-79, it's crazy, though, like, Tennessee shot the ball 53.4% from the field. That's excellent. Yeah, shot it basically 48% from the three. Didn't get to the free throw line a whole lot, 6 of 11, compared to Kentucky, 20 of 21. And they have a tendency to have a lot of bigs, and sometimes that means you're going to miss a lot of free throws. They they shot at 95.2%. But, yeah, that that one was – they played pretty good. It kind of reminded me of Gonzaga – in BYU, maybe last week or whatever, BYU, you know, actually played pretty good. It's not like they, you know, they they, they put up 84 points on Gonzaga, shot 43% from the field, um, and made 13 threes, and they ended up losing by like 26 still by Gonzaga, or to Gonzaga. Um, so it kind of had that vibe where you're like, well, that's really, I don't know. It's like they didn't really play that bad. I guess that's a, that's a really good uh, – Signed for Kentucky as well. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Auburn obviously, uh, you know, has the uh, has the advantage at this point. But, um, you know, it's I mean, they're 5-0. and Miss, uh, A&M, who's been pretty good the last few years, too. They're only a half game out at 4-0. Um, so, yeah, even a ranked Tennessee team, right, who's 11-5, and two and three in the conference right now, but they're still only three games out. It's so early, you know what I mean? So um, while we're down here in this area, and I say that because a lot of times we're kind of going in and around ESPN.com, and so down here means Pac-12, SEC, Pac-12, alphabetical order. Now, we have been hard. Since we started the show, we'll just fully admit it. We've been hard on the Pac-12 because, you know, Besides Oregon making a Sweet 16 or, you know, some run here and there, the conference itself just, you know, I mean, I remember in, what, 2005, they got three out of the four big or final four teams. I mean, we always, you know, reminisce. We were talking about the Big East. We always reminisce of those Thursday games on FSN where they'd always have a good Thursday night game. Um, You know, the conference – Fell on hard times. You can kind of say that for football, too, considering how high up they were. Not necessarily how high up they were, but with the, the, the team that they produced to be in the top tier of the country was right there. Well, this year they have right now USC, who obviously just lost. Um, they're 16th in the country. you got UCLA, UCLA, 9th in Arizona, who's 14-1 and 4-0 and in conference play. Um, that's pretty real deal right there. Um, Oregon, you got to count in there because they've always been kind of a grinder team. Washington, um, has been a pretty good, 
you know, pretty good. They, they've made sweet 16s and stuff in the last five or ten years. Um, but long story short, Ukula making the run, UCLA making the run, with kind of an oddball team. When you look at their starting lineup, everybody kind of has their own thing, their own personality. Someone's got a headband, some dude's got a fro. They just they just blended at the right time and made a hell of a run last year. Is it time we got to start taking this Pac-12 dead series where it's not just whoever wins can get to the Sweet 16 or or even Arizona uh, in 2000, what was it, 15, 16, or 14, 15, when they did get to the Elite Eight and then did got to the Final Four and ended up getting beat by Wisconsin. But it's always been basically Arizona making it to, like, the Elite Eight almost. And then that's about it, uh, which is great for Arizona. But it's time maybe to start taking this conference more seriously. First of all, you've not mentioned this team yet, but I'm very happy to see Oregon State is 1-5 and and 3-13. And And I say that, Chris, because last year when I bet Oklahoma State to beat them in the tournament, Oklahoma State didn't. (laughs) And then I bet Loyola, Illinois, Chicago to beat them. They didn't. So screw you, Oregon State. I forgot about that. (laughs) I'm happy you're suffering. You can go and kick rocks. Um, Moving on. I did forget Um, about that. Man, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, yeah, and Cunningham put up a chunk of the game. But anyways, uh, yeah. Right I, I, I forgot about that. Man, it's like I've been so, you know, zeroed in on college football. It's like all these memories, like, oh, that's right, that did happen. Yeah, when you were in your co-host got just, yeah, bet, bet against the wrong team. So the Beavers, oh, you ain't making a run this year. Suck it. Anyways, all right. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think the fact that right now, Chris, you just mentioned four teams who, barring a – collapse or a COVID bug or something crazy, four teams are already going to be in the tournament and and they're respectable squads. Um, like that's, that's, that's a great start for this conference. Um, that Ivan Mobley on USC is going to be a draft pick. I saw they got Boogie Ellis from Memphis, who is a, a good point guard from Memphis. Now he's playing for USC. They were just ranked like fifth in the country. So they're off to a great start. This is the best Arizona team we've seen maybe since we've done our podcast. Or, or, well, let's. It's January, but so I, mean, I, I know. But get I'm to saying, the Final Four, you know, yeah. we can't say they're better than that team. No, true. That was but, only 2015 or whatever. But but at least you see the potential of okay. You, right now, you have four tournament teams that have all been respectably ranked this year. And compared to normally when we do this preview podcast for our first show of the year, we're talking about may, maybe one or two teams. So at least the initial the initial feeling for the Pac-12 is off to a great start. And obviously, I mean, when Arizona and UCLA are good at college basketball, it's good for the sport. Like, we've become, you know, obviously our, we've kind of become just a naturally an East Coast media country. And especially for college basketball, when you really, when it's pretty much been Gonzaga and that's it on the West Coast, besides, like you said, maybe one team, you know, the, the, the conference does get overlooked. So if, at least for now, and it, like you said, it's early, but for now, um, the Pac-12 is off to make probably the best start they've had in a long time. And obviously, you got to see these teams continue to hold through and play strong. Um, but yeah, so now instead of maybe Chris, instead of having a bunch of uh, seven to ten seeds, who when you fill out in your bracket, you're like, oh shit, like can I trust this Pac-12 team? And last year, a lot of people mocked them, but then they went like six and one in like the first two rounds of the of the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> so you're right. We we sure all kind of looked like fools. So I, every yeah. and I, so gotta yeah, eat our so. crow, you know, we got to eat our mm-hmm, crow. We, mm-hmm. we, we put spice on it; it's pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's it's off to a good start, and again, Arizona. They especially when when I was growing up in high school, they were always a, a really dominant team. So oh, Arizona, yeah. UCLA, like all those schools, it, good for them. In Oregon, they've probably been the most steady, consistent team, um, and they just beat UCLA and um, USC. So they're on a a nice little good run this time of the year in January. Yeah, man, that's what it's about. Like competition in there, adding depth to it, and, you know, it looks like another competitive year for the Big East, your favorite conference, because, uh, I mean, even, you know, Seton Hall's not a bad club. I've actually watched them, like, three times. Oh, not at all. I've got to run into DePaul, like, literally, like, five times, and you know what always brings me into the game is they had this former gopher, because we lost, like, nine uh, players last year when Patino left, but, uh, He's on there, and they're not good. 
per se, but um, they finally did get a win in conference. I saw that, but I, I always kind of look at like, hey, that's that one dude. I wish we had him still. But, you know, Hall, Seton Hall, they got that – I think they got that center who had like four, six blocks the other game. St. John's recently got a nice win. You know what to kind of expect from uh, Creighton. They're 2-2, two 10-5 two, overall. Um, UConn is – Showing life. That's right. I said UConn showing life. They're currently uh, number 25 in the country. They actually got a nice win, too. Um, Nova seems like they got their stuff together now. They're 13-4. and four. They are going to, you know, they're up there. They're 11th right now. They had a tough schedule, though. I mean, at UCLA, at Tennessee, at Purdue, um, I mean, well, not so much Syracuse, but then same with at Baylor. These are not – this is just non-conference, you know what I mean? So they kind of had a rough uh, start there. They lost uh, at Creighton. But now, you know, they beat Xavier, beat St. Hall, beat Creighton. They, they, now they got – they beat Xavier again. I just realized that. Now they kind of got their, their groove going. But long story short, they're 6-1, and one, and they're on top but. Looks like we got another competitive year here because we just got a bunch of solid basketball programs here. Yeah, it, it's it's a really fun conference to watch just because almost every team is like pretty competitive. Like I know that um, DePaul just just had a nice win. Like it pretty much uh, Marquette with Shaka Smart is better again. Like you said, Nova's good. Um, Seton Hall should be a tournament team. Um, Xavier has. Um, excuse me, Providence has been in first place for most of the year. Like, almost St. John's is supposed to be a tournament team. I know they've got to a little bit of a rough start. Um, Creighton is normally a pretty good tournament team. I know they've lost some talent this year, but pretty much every team on a given night, and I know it's kind of a cliche, but for the most part, every team on a given night in that uh, conference can win a game. And you really can't make that statement for all conferences where you can say from top to bottom is pretty evenly matched out. Because a lot of conferences, and even to give them credit, are top-heavy. Like the top schools we mentioned the SEC normally would whoop up on the bottom-tiered level schools because the SEC is just a little more top-heavy and more so. But it, it, I think that's maybe one reason I like watching is because on a given night, if it's Marquette or St. John's or Nova or whoever um, – it, there's not many blots. It's kind of just an even-based conference. Again, and I and I say that um, the SEC or the Big Ten might have maybe some better top-edge teams, but yeah, it's just competitive. And I think there's uh, just like I'm kind of losing my point here, but like DePaul, but just to kind of wrap this up. Like DePaul, a couple of years ago was like a, a joke of a team in the conference. They were like last place, but if you watch them uh, play on every given night, like their win-loss record was shit, but they were covering spreads. They were making the games close. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just a fun conference watch. I'm sure that Villanova is the expected favorite. As you mentioned, they've already been battle-tested. Um, like usual with Jay Wright, he's going to have a couple of, like, really good guards from the East Coast. They're going to jack up their threes. If they hit them, they're a really hard team to beat. And at that point was mentioned as you by earlier, Chris, when saying they beat Butler by 42 points. Like, yeah. Butler's kind of like a slower offensive team. But when you beat a district or a division, excuse me, a conference opponent by 40, like, okay, on a given night when Nova gets their threes, they're hot. So I would say Nova's probably projected the best. Um, Providence so far has probably been the second best team in the conference. And Seton Hall, when they get their stuff together, is a tremendous team. And Marquette with Shaka Smart, now that Wojo's gone, that Duke trash coach is gone, uh, shock is getting them back on track and they actually had a, they beat Seton Hall by one, by one point this past weekend. I actually watched that game, but it was, it was a tough game. Chris should have gotten an overtime. It was a tied game, like 70 or 72. And with a second to go, Marquette was putting up a shot. A guy did a pump fake and the defender stood his ground. And as he jumped up to shoot the uh, guy from Marquette, he basically elbowed the, um, Seton Hall player in the face. And they gave the uh, call to the shooter, which, you know, I mean, the the guy really did held his ground. So I think a ref made a bad call there, and it would have been fun to see the game in overtime. Uh, but Marquette knocked him off. So, yeah, it's a super fun conference to watch. And 
I think it'll stay that way the whole year. Now, who can make deep runs, we'll see. But it, top to bottom, it's, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. And moving on to the ACC, which is normally very strong. They only have one ranked team as of now. That is Jesus. the Duke Blue Devils. who, But right now, leading the conference, although they got off to kind of a rough uh, start, um, they did the only – I guess you could say, like, okay, win is at Penn State. But they they had a little rough start uh, as far as projecting them to be, you know, number one team right now in the ACC uh, record-wise. But they play, they play a lot of kind of grinded out within 10-point games. You kind of saw that uh, at the beginning of the year so far. Look at this, Syracuse. They beat 88 to 87. They did beat Duke. I think that was the it was at Duke. And that was like the second game back from that, but 76-74. Then they lost to their bit of rival on football anyway, um, 65-64. So some tight-ass games they play their squad, North Kakalaka next. At home they got them. That was Florida State's um, eighth straight time, it says right here on ESPN, that they had beat Miami of late. We know Miami made that run of like three, four year stretch uh, uh, several years ago now where they were, they were playing really, really good. They were, you know, top three, top four program in a short amount of time. Anyway, they were making some noise in the ACC. looks like they're back down five to one, but like I said, you know, Duke, they're 14 and two. They've had a tough schedule. Their best, well, it had to be that Gonzaga game, uh, that Gonzaga win. That was a big, big, big win, and they, they have a talented bunch. Pound for pound, talent for talent, and obviously talent for, like, let's say top 40 or, or who's going to get drafted in the first or second round. You know, they probably have a lot of it, but in the same breath, like I said, when you have a college basketball game, it's not always just having the best talent, as we know, but they're looking like by far the most talented team and one of the most talented teams in the in the country. And, you know, they do have Coach K – and it is his last season. So that'll be, you know, that's always nice to see. But, yeah, what do you think of uh, the ACC this year? Is it a conference that's kind of maybe going to grow into getting some of these ranked teams in here? Miami's knocking on the door, obviously. They'll they'll be in here soon. Your squad here is 4-1, 12-4 so, so far. Yeah, um, obviously for Carolina, it's just weird uh, just to see Roy not on the bench. Um, not saying that Hubert Davis can't turn into a good coach, but obviously we'll see how this year plays out for Carolina, having a new guy run your program after a guy did a pretty, really damn good job for over a decade. So that'll be interesting, but um, I think they definitely, like usual, Carolina, they have a couple of really good bigs that are going to the NBA one day, so um, they should be a solid team. It'll just kind of depend on our point guards growing up. Um this is the first year Notre Dame has kind of been starting the year off better. They normally always seem to be, Chris, kind of a team that's in the middle of the pack. And I think maybe uh, Mike Bray's got a, a better squad than he's had for the last handful of years. Um, Miami, like you said, had a um, – well, they, they were a pretty solid team like four or five years ago. They had a couple of runs with Larry Nagin. Now they're obviously starting the year off about as good as they can. I mean, they're in first place around the ACC, so you can't ask for much more. Um, again, if they were to play Duke a couple times head up, I'm not sure they would beat them. But, yeah, it does feel weird, though, to see only one ranked team. Um, I see Virginia 7th or 8th. That's pretty rare for them. They're normally always a top 15 ranked team with, you know, a, a solid defense. And, you know, the, a pretty, you know, normally only have one or two losses on their schedule this time of the year. So it's maybe down a little bit uh, compared to what they normally are. Um, but I would I would assume by March will that these teams will grow into it whether it's new coach or whatever situation it is and the ACC should have a, a, a damn good chance of having seven or eight teams make it. We've kind of become accustomed to that being a guarantee. I guess that doesn't have to be one because as we said about ten minutes ago, the Pac-12 is off to a, a much stronger start than normal. So maybe this would be a a down year for the ACC, Chris. But yeah, Duke I know has um, some superb NBA talent. I think my Carolina boys should make it. Um, Leonard Hamilton is basically a guaranteed lock to make the tournament every yeah. year. Um, so seeing a team like Miami and Notre Dame, who are starting out the year hot and probably get off to a great start, is obviously a, a huge positive for the conference. 
And moving to the Big 12, they have do, do, do five ranked teams right now. We talked about Iowa State looking like they're turning the corner. They're 14-3, but only 2-3 and three in the Big 12 and 11-1 and one at home, too. They've lost uh, their 1-2 and two on the road. So, um, But, yeah, you know, a familiar face in program in Kansas, uh, you know, 14-2. and two. Three and one to to lead the pack. TCU is twelve and two, and they're two and one in conference. Texas Tech has been a damn good program lately. Obviously, Baylor has two, and they got over the hump last year and cut down the nets. They're still fifth in the country or sixth in the country. Yeah, fifth in the country. They're three and two. So you got the last couple of years. This is how this kind of played out for the Big Twelve. It's been fun, man. Three and one, two and one. Three teams at three and two. Another team at two and two. Oklahoma's pretty good, and we just mentioned Iowa State, like I was saying. And Oklahoma State just beat Baylor, and they're two and three in the conference. So it kind of feels like it's just going to be ultra competitive again. Um, Kansas does have. Um, yeah, they lost a non-conference game by real, real close. I think it was to Dayton. And then they kind of stumbled out the game, but it does look like they're getting their footing back. Um, so the Big 12, man, another good competitive year, it seems, on paper. I think the fact that if you look at the top eight teams in the conference, Chris, that all of them have double-digit wins that are like 12, 13, 14 wins on the year, that shows how good of a team the conference already has, or how good of a um, conference it is. Because most most conferences – um, would not have almost every team in your conference to have 12 to 13 wins on the year. Because even if you've had a couple of powder puff games, almost every school you mentioned has actually played probably a pretty decent on-conference, or at least respectable. And I think that just, yeah, I think that shows the depth of it. And the fact that you mentioned a couple of teams um, in the show who, who we already talked about this, uh, this season who are ranked like 7th and 8th in the conference, or it's like, well, holy shit, I thought we were just talking about Iowa State, how they're like ranked 15th in the country. Well, how are they ranked seventh in their own conference? You know, so I think right. from top to bottom, it's a pretty damn loaded, good conference so far. Like they're, um, it's kind of like, kind of like the Big East, and probably even just a little more star-studded than them. Like there's not really a bad team. Maybe you could say K State right now is the the joke of the team in the conference. But again, if you're every team in your division's got twelve or thirteen wins, like okay. Like you're off to a, a great start, and you're going to beat up on each other. So your win loss records might look bad to someone who maybe doesn't watch you play as often. But if you kind of dive into the numbers and the stats and all the saber metrics, um, you're going to obviously have to lose games because when two teams play each other, someone's got to lose. But it's a very strong looking conference so far into the season. Yeah, and you know, at Kansas State, generally, and they're going to get blown. Well, they probably already have there, but you know what I mean. It's not a walk in the park. No, you know? they, uh-uh. they got a good crowd, and that's the beauty about college basketball. Night in and night out, game in and game out. It's different than the NBA. It's just that layers of giving a shit even more. Uh, you can see that college football compared to call you know NFL as well. There's some like the Lions, you know, like there's just sometimes there's just not a lot of energy in. in pro buildings that are mediocre teams or crappy teams. But, you know, if, if Kansas and KU, Kansas State and KU play, and it's at, you know, Kansas State, that place is going to be jumping. You know, that's just sure. that is the difference. And that's, you know, part of how hard it is to win on the road. And right now, Big Ten, moving on just to kind of uh, sum up these conferences, we'd like to kind of take a trip and kind of catch up with all, all these conferences on a weekly basis. Now, obviously, the Minnesota Gophers were picked to win the. Okay, hold on. They weren't picked to win. They, they might even. They might get to the NIT. But Illinois. Say, um, if you were, if you were directing us on a road trip of conference to conferences, you're an awful driver. Because yeah, we we've I gone a lot of gas. <laughs> I, I gotta say, Chris, I think I'd be fed up with you on a road trip when we go to the Pac-12 to the ACC, and then we come back to the Big 12 and the Big 10. We 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 could have done this a whole lot better, my friend. I'm private I got to give you shit about something. Private oh. jet. Oh, in that case, we're okay. Okay, all right. I, the the <laughs> yeah, luxury is true, 
the crossing the country, SEC to the Pac-12, right? And then we finished in the middle. High up east, yeah, and then we finished in the middle. Uh, In the Middle West is what they used to call it. They used to call it the Northwest, actually, at one point in time. But Illinois, uh, who's 13-4, and actually they have one, two, three teams ranked above them, four teams ranked, three teams ranked above them. They're six and one. They're, they're literally their first loss came, albeit at home, but um, you know, it was in double overtime to a Purdue Purdue squad that really really looked good. Um, you know, they have the big strapping center who's been there for like four years it seems, who could now score. He's averaging like twenty one or twenty two points a game in like twelve boards or thirteen. Well, maybe not thirteen, but like eleven boards or something like that. They got this shooter. Shooter Plummer, Frazier's back another year. Illinois is a deep, deep team, Illinois is. And like I said, Purdue, we've been talking about this a lot in these conferences. Purdue just won on the road. They're number four in the country, but they're four and two in the league. Um, Iowa's a good club. They're three and three. A couple teams are three and three. Indiana's okay. Uh, Let's see how they improve. Michigan's down this year. Maryland right now is down this year. Those are kind of the two teams that really stand out. Minnesota's pretty good. Uh, Normally, they're down this year for obvious reasons. Rutgers, you know, they've made a nice little run in the last couple years, put some some pro talent into the league and whatnot. But, I mean, when you got 6-1, 5-1, 5-1, 5-2, I mean, this is going to be, I mean, top to bottom, this might be, you know, like you said, the Big 12 or the Big East. Well, the Big 12 or the Big 10 right now are probably the top two conferences on paper. But uh, who knows? Because Wisconsin's played great too, man. And, and I think three out of their top five scorers and I think four out of their five starting lineup are from Minnesota, which pisses me off. <sighs> but anyway, um, another deep run. Obviously, you know, come April, we'll see where the Big 10 is as far as the national championship, but as far as just grinding it out in, in, in January, February, March, it's going to be tough to uh, top this conference this year. Yeah, um, for Wisconsin, they actually have a really good guard that can score off the dribble. Like they're, it's kind of different to watch them play because they're normally kind of like that slow you down half court offense. But they have that uh, Johnny Davis, who's actually a really good guard for them. They normally kind of have a couple of guards of jack threes but that dude can score um he averages 22 a game and he had like i think he dropped like 27 in the second half against purdue like the dude can play basketball which is obviously a huge plus for them that helps um, that does yeah, help and, you know? like when you go to and, college it does help if you can play basketball if you're on a d1 scholarship and that's what i get for taking shots by your bad driving <laughs> um and obviously uh illinois as you said is a stacked team I'm pretty sure that this was the first time in a regular season that Purdue's been number one, either for a very, very long, I believe it was like 30, 40 years, like that their preseason or they're in the season, they're had number one ranking. Right. So they're, they're a talented team. Um, Sparty with, you know, Izzo's always going to be pretty damn good. Um, you mentioned uh, Michigan, Maryland, Minnesota. Normally all these teams that are near the, the middle of the pack and they obviously started the year a little bit down, but again, there's plenty of time left. Like, Again, top to bottom. Obviously, when you have as many teams as they do in their conference, there's going to be a couple of like bottom feeders who suck because you can't have like a 15 deep team, you know, compared to the Big East and Big 12, who are I believe nine deep and ten deep. So you know, you're going to have some bottom teams, but yeah, this is a a top heavy um, conference again. Um, but again, you know, last year they were the kind of like creme de la creme, like they were the best. A lot of people thought the best conference in basketball. But then after that first weekend of March, and you looked in that, you're like, wait, the Pac-12 is six and one, and the Big Ten has teams out. Like, what the hell happened? Yeah. So you really got it. You know, you can get a lot of you know awards and props and credits and good seeds in the tournament. But if you had never watched a single play of regular season last year in basketball, and then you told someone at Bart, like, oh, dude, the Big Ten was the best conference all year in college basketball, and then you tell what? What about the Big? What Pac-12? All oh, Pac-12 was trash. You're like, wait, really? Like, right, yeah. what, what, how, how did all these Big Ten teams who were supposed to be deep? And I remember I put a lot of my bracket and I was like, 
shit, like, uh, what, what happened? <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, I'm with you that their, their top four is as good as any, probably top four in the country. Well, especially the Illinois and Purdue leading the way. Um, but you know, I, I guess if you're a big 10 fan, you're hoping that we have another successful year. A lot of the teams we mentioned who were good last year, are good again this year, but you gotta, you know, keep building up your momentum and all those great numbers and hope they do trickle into March as well. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Obviously, I mean they they've known to get two in the bit in the in the final four and whatnot, but you do at some point have to cut down the nets if you're just gonna be True. like called the standalone team, period. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and there's many a teams, Ohio State, with Conley and, and what's his toes. Uh, like, there's a lot of teams, Michigan twice now. Like, there's a lot of teams that have taken that runner up, you know, and, but they just haven't got over the hub. That's what keeps them legit because they do produce these Sweet 16. They do produce the Final Four. They get the runner up. But ever since them Flint boys from Michigan State in 2001, uh, you know, it's looking you flat in your face right there. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, as far as, like, Outside the big guns, obviously, you know, Houston looks like they're they're pretty solid this year. They're all the way up to 10. Um, and obviously, Gonzaga is now taking over at one. It's funny, Auburn got 36 votes, uh, number one, and Gonzaga got 25, but it's the cumulative thing. That's why they're number one. Uh, so, obviously, Gonzaga, um, who I remember for years they would play like, Six teams from the Big 12, you know, in their non-conference. And they still kind of do that. They did beat um, they beat Texas. They beat Ukula before they had that spread. They lost a really close game to Duke uh, and then lost to Alabama, but then turned around and beat Texas Tech. So um, they had, you know, some downtime too. That 110-84 BYU game, that's the one I was talking about, where it's like, man, BYU didn't play that bad, and they got a, speaking of Minnesota boy, they got a Minnesota boy who, um, Holmgren, who, I don't know, man, he, there's a lot of debate of what kind of player he'll be in the pros at seven foot, a buck 95, you know, that is weird, but he's averaging like a lot of, like three and a half blocks per game. He is a baller. He can block shots. Uh, they got a pretty deep team. They still have, you know, some guys off of last year's team. So that is, you know, the, there are some other teams outside of the conferences, um, you know, that we we didn't – we're not talking about their conference. Another one is Loyola Chicago Ramblers. They're up 22. Uh, I should mention that team as well. They had a really tight game against Michigan State. Fell to respectively to Auburn, um, but you know since then it's not like they got a lot of good wins, but they've at least you know gotten their their winning streak going. Any other items uh, that you want to talk about before we uh, shut down the first episode of the College Ball Show when it comes to uh, college basketball, sir? Uh, no, I, th- I think we did a nice little you know run around the country in all our ways possible of traveling. <laughs> Um, I just but, totally I hurt the green gas uh, admissions, man, by driving all over the damn country <laughs> in ways that didn't make any sense. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you holding yourself accountable, sir. That's why that's why we work as a, a podcast crew. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that um, hopefully the uh, COVID bug doesn't, you know, just ruin the seat. Like I, I think we're finding ways to get through it. Um, a lot of college teams have had a lot of games postponed. Um, if you look at even tomorrow's schedule, I know like there's a, a big East game tomorrow that's been postponed. I'm not sure if they've been already rescheduling it, but I think like right now that Providence is on like a, a kind of like a timeout. So it, it, whatever, whatever fan, whatever conference you're a fan of in college basketball this year, you'd probably expect every team is going to go through some type of hiccup. I know UCLA was on a little bit of a break. They don't have fans at their stadium, which is such a huge letdown for college basketball. It's what makes the sport so great that we love it. But, um, yeah, my guess last note is that hopefully COVID can hopefully kind of standard check to the best of its abilities. And um, at, I guess the main goal is at the end of the year, just make sure we have a regular March Madness, which, knock on wood, we should. 
because two years ago, I know you can never predict the future, but we were looking at what could have been one of the most fun opening weekends like ever. We, I remember Chris and I did a, a preview bracket show and we're like, or what would have been brackets and like from the yeah. Lenardi projections were like, Oh my God. Like this could have been one of the best opening four days in like madness history. And so, you know, and obviously last year, Mark Madness was fun, but let's just make sure that we get through the end of the year. Hopefully all the uh, conferences stay balanced out. Hopefully the teams get to get their games in and we get to enjoy a March Madness. And also I, I'm saying that too, because I'm planning on going to San Diego for my March Madness trip this year. So um, oh, if cool. I can get to San Diego in March uh, to go watch some basketball or just stay on the beach and check my phone on basketball scores, I'm, I yeah. want to be able to enjoy that. <laughs> um, Tuesday night, just real quick, Tuesday night, Iowa State against Texas uh, Tech, the rematch. Saturday, some big games. Number two, Auburn against number 12, Kentucky. That Ooh. should be really good. Baylor better get their shit together. They're going to ro- on the road at Oklahoma. That should be interesting. Funny, we just talked about this. Kansas at Kansas State. Uh, I'd like to check the vivid ticket seats there. I bet you they're still kind of expensive. And then number another SEC matchup, number 13 LSU at number 24 Tennessee. So, um, you know, obviously with football popping off uh, right now, NFL football, that's kind of still in the headlines. But don't sleep on this Saturday, my friend. All right, on that note, we'll be back next week. We'll be breaking out games. We will have a, a crappy pick of the week next week. It's not quite as fun as football, but it's still something we enjoy doing. So until then, uh, stay safe, wear a mask. We're out tonight. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.